Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Uh, hey, Colin, just calling in here to ask a couple questions. The Celtics are now front runners to get Kemba, so do you think they'll get him? Do you think he'll be a good fit here? And do you think he wants to come here after what's happened lately? And uh, do you think that um, – who do you think the Pacers will be – who do you think the Pacers will get for their next point guard? I think it will be Derek Rose. So, uh, yeah, tell me what you think about that. So the Red Sox go 3-3. Three and three. Uh, The last time we uh, checked up on the Red Sox was when they wrapped up their series with the Twins, and they won the series 2-1. to one. It was probably their best series all year. So they were on a very high note, but I was just like, eh, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying into it because this team has just been so inconsistent. But I said I expect this team to go four and two in the next six games. You know, maybe five and one might be asking a little too much, but at least four and two. You're facing the Blue Jays, who aren't good. The Blue Jays aren't good. You're better than them. You should sweep them or win the series two to one. You lost it one to two, which wasn't very good. And then you're facing the White Sox, who are 37 and 41. And in my eyes, they're just about that. So you should probably win that series about 2-1 to one as well. Win each series 2-1, to one, okay? Uh, and the White Sox were 3-7 and seven in their last 10 so far after that series, which they lost 2-1. to one. So, yeah, they were kind of going into it a little cold anyway. But two not-so-great teams. And you went 3-3. Three and three, So I was like, eh, you could have done better. But really focusing on um, last night's game. You lose 8-7. to seven. Okay, frustrating, and this is why your bullpen sucks. It's horrible, and it, it showed. It showed last night. It really did. Um, you know, JD Martinez. It was nice to see him show up. I know, you know he's kind of been banged up a little bit this year, but he's uh, you know he's underachieved. When I look at this lineup, when I look at this Red Sox lineup, really, Raphael Devers and. Um, Alexander Bogarts are really the only ones who have hit expectations or overachieved. And then there's Christian Vasquez, who has also, I think, overachieved or hit expectations at least. And then the one that I also want to throw in would be um, Michael Chavis. And Chavis is a bit is weird because you didn't really expect him to even play. You didn't really know who he was. But he's hit two, uh, 263 this year, which overall is just about under average. But... Um, I mean, lately he has slipped a little bit, you can't lie, but 263 for a guy who's called up, and let me tell you, he's hitting, that's a good 263, because he's came up from the minor leagues and done more than you thought. It was kind of a panic move, and instead he's hitting 263, and he's hit a ton of bombs. The guy's got 38 RBIs, so, you know, he's more of a power hitter. So, you know, it's 263, kind of like Mitch Moreland. And Mitch Moreland's hitting in the low 200s, but he, you know, when he gets up there, it could be a home run or a strikeout, which you know isn't necessarily your favorite type of hitter. But I mean, Mookie Betts has been horrible this year. You know, I don't want to say horrible, but he is really underachieved. He's hitting 261 this year, 261. JD Martinez has also struggled. Andrew Benintendi. So these guys that you expected to step up haven't. And I also want to call out Chris Sale. Pitches six innings last night, six hits uh, in a walk. He hit Moncana, Moncanda, whatever his name is, to start out the beginning of the game. He traded him in the Chris Sale trade. 
five earned runs, ten strikeouts. Chris Sale heated up. Those last three innings, fourth, fifth, and sixth, he mowed him down. But the first three innings were ugly, especially that first inning. So I mean, Chris Sale, he you know he you know he heated up, but five earned runs is five earned runs. I don't care if you had ten strikeouts and pitched the last three innings well, you still got a five earned runs. Chris Sale struggled. The one night he got solid scoring. The Red Sox had three runs in the first six innings. He doesn't usually get supported with three runs. Three runs isn't off the charts amount of runs, but that's more than he usually gets. So now I've been using this excuse with Chris Sale that Alex Cora and the you know pitching staff rushed um, Chris Sale back, and they were a little loose with the situation in the first place, and that was part of his you know slow start. And then I started using the excuse. I wouldn't call it an excuse, but I was backing up Chris Sale with that at first and said, let him take time to come back. Then I was backing up with the bats can't get going. But now, after a game like that, I don't know what to say. By now, you see your your shoulder might bother you here and there, but it seems all right. And yesterday, you were supported with three runs in six innings. And I think that's a good amount, especially what you're compared to, which is usually zero or maybe one. You don't get runs. That's just how Chris Sales rolled. Remember that game he had 17 strikeouts against the Rockies and they still lost? So, I, I mean, that, it's just ridiculous. But I can't blame Matt Barnes. Uh, Matt Barnes came in and, you know, I don't want to say it, but ch- ch- choked you the game. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say it, but at the same time, I can't blame Matt Barnes for that. He went into that situation, and that situation he shouldn't, he's not comfortable in that to roll. Closing the game. They went into this season, the Red Sox went into this season thinking they could get away with no bullpen. They thought their, you know, offense was top three in the league. It would outscore out every, pretty much every team, almost every game. Obviously not every game, but they thought their, you know, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi, Rafi Devers, Alexander Bogarts, etc., etc. They thought we ha- we're going to have a very good lineup. We're going to outscore teams. We have a solid rotation. A bullpen won't be a huge necessity. Especially, they felt real strong about this after last postseason. They did it last postseason. They got a little lucky, but they did it last postseason. They really didn't have a great bullpen. Craig Kimbrell really shut down, if you remember. Craig Kimbrell didn't pitch very well. Last postseason, their bats got going. Their starting rotation was good. And their starting rotation bailed them out because... You saw Chris Sale and Rick Porcello go in there and close games and do it successfully. They didn't have a bullpen really last season, postseason. So they felt with the offense that we have, we believe it's top three, combined with our starting rotation and what we did without a bullpen last postseason, we'll be fine. And I say going to the season, you won't be. Okay, you won't be. You need a bullpen in this league. You need a closer in this league. You, you can't just throw a guy out there. There's a difference between the seventh inning and the ninth inning. There's a difference between the eighth inning and the ninth inning. I know it's just a number, but it's, it's you know, some people might think that it's more than that. You The seventh and the ninth inning, it, it, it's a difference. It really is a difference, pressure-wise, all of that. So Matt Barnes is your eighth inning guy. He's your setup guy. He has been that time and time again. That has been his role. With Craig Kimbrell here, he'd be the setup guy for Craig Kimbrell. Every once in a while, he'd close a game if Craig Kimbrell was a little tired and the team had maybe a comfortable three-run lead or something, or a four-run lead. You know, that's when he'd come in. He came into a high-pressure situation maybe once or twice a year. 
Three max. Max. Maximum three. And that's, that's max. Now, all of a sudden, you've asked him ten times to try to go get you the save. You want to know how many saves he's got? Four for ten. He's four for ten. Six blown saves, four saves. That's a horrible ratio. He gets two saves for every three blown saves. The ratio for closers today is usually nine to one or f- four to one, which is is the same thing essentially. Uh, well, yeah, eight to one or nine to one. I mean, not not four to one. Essentially, closers, real closers, are able to close out the game 90% of the time to, I want to say, 80% of the time is the average. I'd say 90 to 80% of the time. Matt Barnes closes the game out 40% of the time, and he's had 10 appearances. 10 appearances is a pretty solid sample, and especially because we know this is not Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes is an eighth-inning setup guy. You, I'm sorry, you had the money, you had the assets to go out there and get a closer. This bullpen, overall, isn't that bad if you had a closer. Like Craig Kimbrell. Because Matt Barnes is playing his role, and he plays his role well. Ryan Brazier gets to play his role. Uh, you know, all of these guys. Ryan Brazier's just another name. Your whole bullpen. They can play their role, and in their role... They play well, but once you ask them to do something that they can't, they're going to collapse. I'm sorry, I, d- I can't blame Matt Barnes for that one last night, or the other day. I can't I can't blame him for it. That's not his role. His role isn't to go out and close baseball games. He's shown it, he's an eighth-inning guy, and he's proven to you this year, I've gone out there ten times and I've blown the game six times. We lead the AL in blown saves with 16. That's ridiculous. I If we have a real closer... That's plus nine wins right there. Eight, nine wins. And right now in the standings, that's a big, big thing. Right now in the standings, you're nine games back to the Yankees and two of behind the yay, uh, race. Yays. <laughs> two behind the race. So you add, uh, you add eight, nine wins, give or take. You're in the running right with the Yankees. Just by adding a closer. Just by adding a freaking closer. And the thing that makes that look worse is the fact that not only has your bullpen struggled, but your offense hasn't been what you thought it was. Again, Mookie Betts underachieved. J.D. Martinez is underachieved. Andrew Benintendi, underachieved. So all of these guys, I mean, I can name three guys. Four, you know, as an exception, Michael Chavis. Bogarts, Devers, Vasquez. And Chavis is an exception because, you know, he has overachieved expectations because we didn't really expect him to even be here. So, you know, he's one that you don't really go into season. But, like, Vasquez is hitting 288. That's great. He's really stepped up for you. But you can't, you didn't go into the season relying on Christian Vasquez for your offense. You relied on mostly Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, and third guy Andrew Benintendi. And all three of them have underachieved. But Devers has stepped up. Bogarts has stepped up. Given You thought they played pretty big roles. And then Vasquez has stepped up, which is a nice one. And, you know, Chavis kind of came out of nowhere. So you've had these guys step up, but still your offense, like Betts, really struggled this year. I hate to say it, he's overrated. And he's in the all-star hunt. Hate it. I don't want him to be an all-star. I don't want Mookie Betts to be an all-star. I like Betts. 
but he's overrated. And look at his stats this season. He is hitting, as I said earlier on the uh, station or on the podcast, 261. He is hitting 261. Last season, he hit 346, which I can't expect again. Uh, 346, I'm pretty sure, led the league last season. And he has scored 64 runs, which uh, is uh, a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. But still, that just means he's getting on base. A lot of walks, maybe? Uh, 59 walks. So yeah, he's walked a lot. Last season, he walked 81 times. So that means he's on pace for over 100 walks. We're halfway through the season. So he's just got on a lot of walks, and he leads off. So that means he's getting on base on walks when the heart of your lineup's up. So, yeah, just again, I mean, he struggled. He really has. There's no denying it. So I don't want to see him make the All-Star game. I don't want to see a guy who's coming off a season where he had 346, given I don't expect that again. When he was 24 back in 2017, he did it 264 make the All-Star game, and he was the MVP, I do believe. Um, but no, no, I don't want to see him make the All-Star game. I don't. There are guys that deserve it more. He has 13 home runs on the season. He's on pace for 26. Last year, he had 32. So no, he hasn't had a horrible season, but no, he can be better. I don't want to see him make the All-Star game. Other players deserve it more. No thanks. But again, I can't blame Matt Barnes for the game yesterday. It's not the position he should be playing. That's not the role he should be playing. It's that simple to say. So that's kind of the Red Sox minute. Uh, You got the Yankees coming up a two-game series in London. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I don't get why we have to play in London. Baseball has been going on for over a century now. London doesn't seem to like baseball, so why are we trying to go over there and get them to like baseball? You pick up a few fans. No, it's not worth it. And why send the Yankees and the Red Sox? Because, let's be honest, no one in London knows the difference. Well, we're going to send the Yankees and Red Sox because they're two marketable teams for the MLB. But here's the thing. I can go over... Let's see. I could... You saw what, the athletics in the um, Mariners go overseas earlier in the season. Do teams like that. Franchises that aren't really well-known, take the Angels. And Mike Trout, he's a marketable player. The team, not really. Just take the, why take two most valuable teams and put them in London? You could take the Angels and the Mariners, for God's sakes, and they wouldn't know the difference in London. Like the Premier League teams come over here. Well, we don't know the difference. Like I don't watch soccer, but from what I've heard, well, what I've seen when I do see kind of like the highlights on TV, I wouldn't know the difference between you know so and so. I know like Liverpool's good in Barcelona. I don't know if they're in the Premier League or what that even means. But why not do that? They don't know the difference. So that's the point I'm trying to get at. Now we are going to get to uh, Colin's call. So let's uh, take that. Uh, hey Colin, just calling in here to ask a couple questions. The Celtics are now front runners to get Kemba. So do you think they'll get him? Do you think he'll be a good fit here? And do you think he wants to come here after what's happened lately? And uh, do you think that um, who do you think the Pacers will be? Who do you think the Pacers will get for their next point guard? I think it will be Derrick Rose. So uh, yeah, tell me what do you think about that? 
All right, thanks for the call. Calling again. You guys can call in on the Anchor mobile app, type in Astro Buzzer Sports Talk, send in a voice message, or you can call in on Anchor, uh, well, on Safari, type in Astro Buzzer Sports Talk, Aiden Mayer Podcast on Anchor. And if you should click on that and my link to it on Anchor, you should be able to send in a voice message that way. Either way works, uh, hopefully, for you guys. And uh, anyway, thanks for taking the call. Uh, thanks for the call, Colin. Uh, I appreciate it. And anyway, Kemba Walker, the front runner for the Celtics. I've been pumped by this news. Uh, obviously, we talked about it the last podcast. The Celtics could be in the mix for Kemba, but I said at the time, let's be honest, the odds of them getting him aren't great. I don't count it out, but it isn't great. But lately, you've heard they're the front runners. Um, that's crazy. I heard this news this morning. Uh, my friend told me because we were uh, working out. And then I saw it on my phone, too. It was just like, yes. I, w- I was pumped. Um, but honestly, I looked into it. The Hornets are crazy. The Hornets are absolutely insane. I, I, I Hold up for a minute. I call them mostly insane because Michael Jordan has been horrible, a general manager, and their franchise is just doomed. And I understand why they don't want to pay that much money to Kemba Walker for five years. Kemba's already 29 years old. You know, they'll have him until he's 34. The team with Kemba has been, you know, not even an all-star team. And even if they make it, they usually just get, like, swept in the first round or at max five games. So they haven't really been able to contend with them. But at least sign Kemba back and try to move him or get an all-star around him. You've had chances, and now that he's gone... You are totally irrelevant. You have nothing. I'd hate to be a fan or work for that team because you're just left with nothing. You you have barely any assets. You're just going to have to tank and nail your draft picks because they don't have many assets. I mean, when I look at their young players, I see Malik Monk. I guess Jeremy Lamb, but he's more in his prime, and I just don't see anything special there, you know? of the Miles Bridges. Uh, you know, in the draft, they picked P.J. Washington, which wasn't a horrible pick. But, again, you know, what, his ceiling, I'd say, is a Paul Millsap, which isn't bad, but what are the odds that he hits that ceiling? So they're just, I don't know. But, anyway, your question was, uh, this. your questions were, I said yes, yes, and yes to them. So one of your questions were, do you think the Celtics will get Kemba? And I say yes. I think right now it's going down to him and the Lakers. Uh, them and the Lakers. I do think the Pacers may be still in play or a few of these other teams. But for me, Celtics are truly the front runners. Uh, the Mavericks have a chance. Everyone's saying, no, he's not going to the Mavericks. But I thought that would be actually a solid fit. Oh, excuse me. Um, everyone kind of counts that out. The Lakers, though. The Lakers could. The Lakers should go after depth, really. With that $32 million, they're clearly trying to free up cap space. And it sounds like they're trying to do it to get a Kemba Walker, or D'Angelo Russell, or Kyrie Irving. But in my eyes, go for depth. Go for more of a Rajon Rondo, resign him, or Patrick Beverly at point guard. or And go for 3D wings. I've said it time and time again 3D wings, 3D wings. You're good in the front court. You got LeBron. Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma, you really just need some depth there. And you don't need a whole lot of it either. You just got to look for those 3-and-D wings. You know, a 3-and-D wing behind LeBron, uh, a 3-and-D wing at shooting guard would be nice. Like a Danny Green would be a great fit. 
but no, you, you, you gotta save it and kind of spread that money out. You, you can't go after one big free agent. LeBron and Anthony Davis, to me, is enough star power to win an NBA title if you put the right role players around them and have enough depth. You don't need another star, in my opinion. Because if you add a D'Angelo Russell, a Campbell Walker, or a Kyrie Irving, you are left with nothing. You're left with paying guys on the minimum. And what are the odds you're going to get good role players on the minimum? Not very good at all. Uh, It's very hard to get good players on the minimum nowadays. It works sometimes in 2K. You can get some solid older veterans, but yeah, this isn't 2K, and most of these guys are going to ask for a little more, like, Patrick Beverly is someone who is going to get more than the, uh, more than the minimum. Rajon Rondo is someone who will get more than the minimum. The top guy you'll get at the minimum is maybe, maybe Isaiah Thomas, uh, which no disrespect, because Isaiah Thomas is my favorite player in the NBA, but that's not what you're looking for, especially after what happened in Cleveland with him on LeBron. You don't want that again. So that's kind of not even an option. Maybe Ish Smith, but again, you know, I don't know. Maybe the Detroit Pistons are willing to pay him like three mil, four mil. So it's just so hard. Maybe TJ McConnell, Corey Joseph, that's what you're getting at for your starting point guard. Uh, well, technically backup. Why was I saying that? Because if they do sign a big free agent point guard, I'll just scratch that. But that same, I guess the same situation at small forward or backup, it's going to be so hard. You're going to have no depth. You're going to have the three stars, and that's about it. Then all our minimum dollar players, which is crazy. Uh, we're going to get more into that, though, because I want to get to my like free agency predictions in a later episode. Got a few days till free agency. Uh, but no, Kemba, I think the Celtics will sign him. I think he'd be a great fit with the... Um, Roster, he's an explosive scorer. Apparently, him and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward are buddies, so he has some connections with the team already. I think he'd be great with the uh, the system Brad Stevens runs. He's a great teammate, and that's what you kind of need, that unselfish good teammate. And I know Kemba took the third most shots, but he had to in Charlotte. I know, you know, in the, in the Celtics, you know, system, he's going to need to take less shots. So that's my big one of my bigger questions for Kemba. Are you willing to step down, take less shots in the Celtics team? And I think the answer is yes. I think in Charlotte, he took just a lot of shots because he had to, to win ball games. And I think here he's going to be willing to gel into the system, take a few less shots because he wants to win. He's willing to work with the system. He's going to be a good team player, a good locker room guy, a good leader. But here's the thing I don't like. Those Celtics fans that are trying to tell me Kemba is now better than Kyrie Irving. Shut up. Shut up. If you are one of those people, I'm sorry. I'm glad you're listening to my podcast, but stop. Stop. Because if I told you this three days ago before we heard Kemba could come to Boston, you would have told me Kyrie Irving is better. You've been like, yeah, honestly, but now that you're Kemba could be a Celtic. No, Kemba's better. No, Kemba's better. Is Kemba a better fit? I'll give you that one. I'll give you that. Kemba is a better fit than Kyrie Irving, but don't tell me Kemba is better than Kyrie Irving. Don't tell me it. The only thing Kemba Walker might and might be better than Kyrie Irving at is scoring the basketball. And even that is debatable. Kyrie Irving's a better facilitator, all-around player. And really, Kyrie, you know, overall, rebounding the basketball, they're about the same. Defensively, I'd say Kyrie Irving is a little better, but that's really a toss-up. Kyrie Irving is better than Kemba Walker, okay? I don't want to hear it. But Kemba Walker is a good plan B, plan C. And I also don't want to hear that this was the plan the whole time. The plan the whole time, yeah, yeah, this was the plan. 
going into the season. But, you know, let Kyrie come in here, do his thing, play out his contract, and then we were just going to let Al Horford walk too so we could get Kemba. This wasn't the plan. This is a plan B, plan C. This was something where, uh, you know, that Danny Inch just started to figure out, yeah, once Kyrie's gone, oh, Al Horford's leaving too. You know what? I know what we're going to do. That's Danny Ainge. He's a mastermind. Um, lately, his moves have been questionable. Once Al Horford decided, you know what, I'm going to leave, he realized Danny Ainge looked at that as a positive. And I know it's tough to see a player like Al Horford go, but he looked at that as a positive and said, now we have the cap space to get some guy, especially with Kyrie gone. And he said, Kemba Walker. We might have a chance at him. He kept it a little low-key. And it might not have been his best plan because he figured he'd probably go back to Charlotte. But especially when Kemba, you know, in Charlotte's trade talks went down the drain because Michael Jordan didn't want to pay him. The only player, you know, that the Kemba Walker, when will an all-star want to go to Charlotte? <laughs> anyway. Um, so then Dan Age was like, we have a shot at this guy. And apparently, I do think Kemba wants to go to Boston as well. Because Woj really isn't... A- Celtics guy. And I do think he knows the Celtics are interested in Kemba, but both sides must be interested. Because I think Woj and the Celtics, that that's not the mix. Woj doesn't really do reports to the Celtics, so I think this is coming from Kemba's agent. I doubt Kemba himself, but Kemba's agent, who I believe, uh, what's his name? I have it right here. Jeff Schwartz. I've heard his name uh, before. Uh, yeah, Ricky Rubio's... Um, agent. But anyway, no, I think it would be great. I think it would be a good signing. I really do. I do believe that. He's no up. He's not an upgrade over Kyrie Irving. He's smaller than Kyrie Irving. He averaged a few more points last season than Kyrie, but you have to remember this. Kyrie Irving took less shots than Kemba Walker did. And overall, facilitating the basketball, Kyrie is better. Overall, as a player, Kyrie is still better than Kemba Walker. I, I don't want to hear that. Stop telling me Kemba Walker is better than Kyrie Irving. Is he a better fit? Yes. Arguably. Now, here's the bad thing about this signing. Is if you do sign him, you're paying this guy four years, $141 million to a guy who is 29 years old. All I really does is score the basketball, and he doesn't make you a championship contender. So you're basically spending all your money on a guy who will make you a little more fun to watch, you know, help you in the win column, yes, but he's not going to win you a championship. But I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. Because I hate to say, because in my eyes, again, you've heard it from me time and time again, either you're a championship contender you're rebuilding, or you're gathering the pieces to become a championship contender. And I feel like this is a case where you're gathering the pieces in a way. In a way. Because when you get Kemba Walker, in a way, when I say you're gathering the pieces, you're still trying to develop players and trying to find that next guy. You know, you're trying, you probably need an, another free agent. So when you sign Kemba Walker, whether it's this free agency or the next one, you still you're probably going to need the next big man. I don't feel like they have a big man, and you're going to need these guys to develop a little more. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, even some of your younger guys, draft picks that you just had, let them develop. That's kind of what I mean by you know getting the pieces ready. But teams like the Pistons, the Heat, the Thunder, like no, no, you don't, no, I don't like that because now you feel like you're stuck. You have no flexibility cap space-wise. There's even a few other teams on that list. 
The Trailblazers are one where, you know, they still have a little bit of cap space, and they did, you know, they were, they're not a championship contender, though, so they're in. The Spurs are kind of on that list as well. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a few more, maybe. The Wizards. Like, those are teams that really doesn't seem like they have a direction. They're a team that's not contending, they're not rebuilding, and they have no cap space, so they can't really gather pieces either. And I know the Celtics don't have a ton of cap space, but at least they have a lot of young talent, that, and they can make some trades and everything. I don't know, it just feels like those teams are stuck. But no, I like the signing, I think it would be a good fit. I also think it would prove, this is great, your team has had a horrible reputation the past year. Anthony Davis's dad calls out the Celtics, you know, the IT trade. There's no loyalty in that. And then you have got Kyrie Irving bad-mouthing, you know, to other players about the Celtics. He's bad-mouthing Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, the locker room, the whole Celtics organization. Then you hear all the reports of all the bickering that was going on in the locker room. It just seems like a horrible place to play, especially after this whole season. But to have a guy like Kemba Walker at that level want to actually play for your team, that is great. And I think this is – Kevin Walker will be a good fit. The guy, you know, he's got a small ego. He's going to be willing to win. Good teammate. Heck of a leader. I, I think we're going to be set up for a good you know, amount of success. He'll be a better fit than Kyrie, but no. Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player than Kemba Walker. It, it's that e- – it's easily said. And then you bring up the Pacers. Um, who are they going to send for agency? You said Derrick Rose. Uh, I do – there's definitely a possibility. Uh, Rose really did a great job in Minnesota. He did get banged up at the end of the- Oh, yeah, one more thing about Kemba. The guy's missed six games in the past five years. Six or seven. The guy is a bulldog. He'll miss one to two, maybe three games a year. Kyrie Irving took a load management game, like, every six games, it seemed like. So now you have Kemba, who's going to help you out in the regular season. Kyrie sitting out those games, I mean, technically could have helped because you're kind of better without him, but Kemba Walker's going to play pretty much every game. He goes out there, he's a great pro, you know, he's very mature, and he goes out and there competes every single night. He went out there, oh, excuse me, just burped. He went out there and competed. He bar- he sat one to two times, maybe three times each year on the Charlotte Hornets. Either he felt like they really need me or he's just a real competitor because you don't go out there saying, oh, I'm going to pour my heart and soul in for the Charlotte Hornets unless you're a nice guy like Kemba Walker and you're really that loyal. He really brings the loyalty aspect that Kyrie Irving doesn't either. He brings the leadership. You know, he brings the team playing that Kyrie Irving didn't. That makes him a better fit because this is the type of organization the Celtics run. This is the type of system that Brad Stevens runs. And I'm not saying Kemba's an unselfish player. He took the third most shots last year. Uh, but he kind of had to, uh, anyway. He only had 5.9 assists per game, which only, quote-unquote, um, not an awesome facilitator. Um, but he's all right. But for the Pacers, I mean, I look at it, Kyrie's not going there. Kemba, I still think there's a chance, but I still highly doubt that at this point. I've heard the Celtics, if not the Lakers, and if not the Mavericks. And so at that point, it just seems like I don't think he's going to the Pacers. D'Angelo Russell would be the ideal player by this point. Because Kyrie's not going there. And at this point, from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like Kemba Walker will either. But D'Angelo Russell is not bad. I don't know how Russell and Victor Oladipo would fit. I know 
Oladipo would help pick up the slack for D'Angelo Russell defensively, but how do those two fit offensively? I feel like they're two pretty ball-dominant players. I'm not sure how well they complement each other. D'Angelo Russell's a pretty good spot-up shooter. He's not 37% from three, so he's a solid three-point shooter. Hopefully, he can prove just a little bit uh, alongside Victor Oladipo, but I'm not sure how great they fit. I've heard, like, yeah, him and Kemba Walker. Why do you need this great scoring, ball-dominant point guard next to Victor Oladipo? Victor Oladipo is one of the more ball-dominant shooting guards in the league. He's not James Harden bad. Victor Oladipo, I don't want to call ball-dominant, but he thrives with the ball in his hand, so why add D'Angelo Russell? I understand why you want him, and I don't think they'd be a horrible fit, but I just think with one only one ball to go around, I'm not sure how great of a fit that is in the backcourt. One note, Malcolm Brogdon would be a very good fit for this team. He's an overall good player. He has 15.6 points per game last season. Shot 43% from three. The guy is money from three, which is really what you need. A spot-up shooter at point guard next to Victor Oladipo is key. That's what Darren Collison. Collison can hold up his own defensively. Really isn't really that great at anything. Three-point shooting is a specialty. If you can get a three-point shooting point guard, that's great. Malcolm Brogdon brings the three-point shooting. He's not a horrible passer, and he can score, too, so he can pick up the slack. If Victor Oladipo comes back next year and is slow, Malcolm Brogdon can still score on and off the ball. More off the ball, but he can still score on the ball, and he brings the defense. So if all of a sudden Victor Oladipo you know, struggles or he's out to begin the year, for God's sake, and you have to put someone else at shooting that's not that great at defense, Brogdon can step up. So that's a nightmare defensively, Brogdon and... Uh, Victor Oladipo is kind of a nightmare defensively. Two underrated defenders. And they complement each other so well. I think that would be actually a very, very good fit. Uh, then there's Ricky Rubio. Wouldn't be bad. Uh, you know, he's a coach on the floor. Uh, good floor general. And overall, defensively, he's pretty good. So, overall... You know, I think that would be an all right fit. Derrick Rose, again, I'm not sure how great of a fit that would be, Colin. Uh, I hate to say it. I don't know if it would be a bad fit, but Derrick Rose is really one of those guys who really just kind of brings you good scoring. And he'd bring you solid three-point shooting, kind of like D'Angelo Russell, solid three-point shooting. Uh, But again, a little ball dominant in a way. Like, not, I don't want to call ball dominant, but thrives more with the ball in its hand, so I'm not sure how they would fit. Uh, and, you know, throwing in one more, maybe Pat Bev. Uh, I'm not really sure about that one. Uh, nightmare defensively, but I'm not sure what he brings offensively shooting-wise. Really nothing. So, Darren Collison, you could always just re-sign him. Uh, seems to be a good fit. Um, he's a veteran point guard. I mean, the guy can run in offense. So, if Victor Oladipo wants a break off the ball or is struggling to start the beginning of the season, Collison is someone who can step up, run the offense, Passed the basketball, six assists last year, quietly. And he's a great um, he's a great shooter. And defensively, uh, you know, he can do a little more than hold up his own, when I said earlier. Uh, you know, I'd say around hold up his own. He's no, you know, elite defender, but he, he's solid, and he complements well with Victor Oladipo. But again, a good shooter. So that's kind of what you're looking for. Uh, but yeah, I don't count out the... Uh, Derrick Rose. All right, now the news. KD declining his player option with the Warriors. Now, I said when he got injured, there's a chance he does go back to the Warriors. There's a chance he picks up $31.5 million and rehabs with the team he's been with for the past few years. 
rehabs in a place that he's comfortable with. He's been there for the past few years. Picks up $31.5 million for barely playing that first year. The odds might not be great that he gets that type of money in his first year of his contract somewhere else. You know, the Knicks might be desperate enough or maybe the Nets. But, I mean, it'll be tough because he is going to be hurt for half the year, but he could just easily pick that up with the Warriors and he could come back and contend for a title and play for the team that he's comfortable playing with. But he declined it. Now that he's declined that, I doubt he goes back to the Warriors. Highly doubt it. Because if anything, he was going to pick up that player option so he could just rehab with that team, spend there one more year just so, he, yeah, again, he could rehab, go somewhere he's comfortable with, and come back in a system he's been playing in for the past few years. Pick up an easy $31.5 million, which would be hard to pick up anywhere else, and he'll be on his way. But now that he's declined this, it tells me he's not going back. He'll probably go to New York, the Clippers, or the Nets. Really, that's about it. I, I don't think he's going to the Warriors at... um. And he, you know, it was really slight, slight chance. And the Clippers are definitely a possibility for me. I'm not sure how high of a possibility, but it's up there. Then there's the Knicks and the Nets, really, as the two front runners, I'd say. Uh, also, this is DeMarcus Cousins news, which will lead us into that. The Knicks. If the Knicks are left empty handed, it's reported they will go after DeMarcus Cousins for a big one year deal. I like it, I like the idea. Uh, the, my only problem with it is, is if you go empty-handed and just get DeMarcus Cousins on a one-year deal, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for this reason. Your team won't make the playoffs anyway. I mean, yeah, you have R.J. Barrett, and you got a few other guys. You know, Kevin Knox, if he can you know, do what he did the first half of the year, he could be a solid piece for you. Dennis Smith Jr., uh, DeAndre Jordan, but I don't. if you're going to sign Boogie, there's no point to get uh, DeAndre Jordan. Damian Dotson, a nice little shooter, you know, just kind of guys like that. But overall, the Knicks were the worst team in the league last year. But you do add R.J. Barrett, and some of those young guys should develop a little, which I think, uh, let me check their wins last season. Sorry about this. Uh, quick wait. They were in the teens, so it wasn't good. But they had 17 wins last season, all right? 17 wins, you add the young guys get a little older, a little more mature, a little better. Plus, R.J. Barrett, that's probably like a 24-win team. 23-24 win team. You add Boogie Cousins to the mix, hoping he doesn't get hurt. He probably will get banged up at some point. Probably like a 30-win team, 32-win team. You're still not that good. But when you do that, now all of a sudden you're, you know, if you don't sign DeMarcus Cousins, you're probably picking at the top of the lottery. Instead, now all of a sudden, you're sitting in 10th, 11th, or 12th place, and you're decreasing your lottery odds. Again, with this wild lottery at this point, I don't know. You know, that might be a good thing, sitting you know, all that way with those low lottery odds. But you get my point. You want the higher lottery odds, even after what happened last year. You still want the higher lottery odds. Jeez, tongue twister. But, I mean, it just seems a little... You know, I get why you're doing it. You know, it's something for Knicks fans to get excited about because if you completely strike out, that would be really embarrassing. And plus, you get the bird rights under Marcus Cousins. So if Cousins is able to kind of, you know, stay healthy with the Knicks and return to his old all-star form, he could be a good player and you earn his bird rights. So you could really sign him long-term. So that's not a bad idea either. And signing him long-term and having him come back to all-star form could uh, draw in a free agent in the 2020 uh, free agency uh, class. 
not draft class. Uh, but that's not a bad idea. I don't mind it. I wouldn't hate the move. Uh, there are flaws to it, but I wouldn't hate it. And then there's the Jimmy Butler news. The Sixers could sign and trade him to go to the Rockets. To be honest, I don't like the idea at all for really either side. Um... For the 76ers, uh, mostly the Rockets, but for the 76ers, it depends what you're getting in return. Is this going to be a three-team trade, or the Celtics would be, you know, a, a piece in this? But for me, if I'm the 76ers, I want depth. That's what I want back, because I'm not going to take Chris Paul, because I already have Ben Simmons. You're not going to trade James Harden. So at that point, I'm kind of sitting there, are we getting Clint Capella? No, I don't want him either, because I already have Joel Embiid, and I'm not looking for Clint Capella's massive contract. Clint Capella's not the backup center I'm looking for. P.J. Tucker wouldn't be a horrible option. Uh, probably the best of the three, because he gives you you know, veteran leadership, which I think the 76ers need a little bit of. He gives you shooting, which you need, and he gives you defense, which you need. So, B.J. Tucker could be, like, the one good option. And then there's Eric Gordon, who isn't a bad option, but he's usually banged up. You know, he's kind of on the downfall. You know, not P.J. Tucker's not exactly, you know, getting any younger either. But Eric Gordon, he does give you the shooting, but not really a defense, so that's why I think P.J. Tucker, and I think P.J. Tucker gives you a little more leadership there, too. Uh, but for the Rockets, I hate it, because now all of a sudden, you're going to have to free up cow space, you're going to have to get rid of Clint Capella for probably, like, picks, which you're trying to contend, so unless you move those picks for players, but then again, you don't have any salary, so plus you had Jimmy Butler, you're adding fire to the fire that's already there in the locker room between CP3 and Harden. P.J. Tucker said, I argue more with Chris Paul and James Harden than the two argue themselves, which I kind of don't believe. Uh, I think that's just a cover-up. But, uh, you know, you had Jimmy Butler, and now all of a sudden you have those three. First of all, I don't think Chris Paul and James Harden are a good fit. You had Jimmy Butler... Not only is that not a good fit in the locker room, but I don't think that's a very good fit on the court either. Jimmy Butler would help you defensively, but offensively, I think you already, you know, Jimmy Butler's a closer. He thrives with the ball in his hands. I, do, I just don't see that fitting. I think at this point, the Rockets are just getting desperate. They want to contend, and they think adding star power is going to work. But when you add a player like Jimmy Butler, listen, I know Butler was all right in Philadelphia, but still, no, no, I just don't. I really like that mix. And then the last player we are going to get to, Kawhi Leonard. I'm going to get to all my free agency predictions, but he is seriously interested in returning to the Raptors. I called into Thomas's podcast, the tip-off, and talked about this, but he is seriously interested in rejoining the Raptors. I've said the Clippers all along, and it's more of a toss-up, but now I might edge over to the Raptors. I don't want to bail on my pick for the Clippers, but, I mean, there's a good chance he goes to the Raptors at this point. Uh, it could influence Danny Green's decision and a lot of these guys. This is huge. Uh, Raptors fans, don't be mad at all if Kawhi leaves because, let's be honest, you made that really risky trade knowing Kawhi Leonard would probably be a rental. He told you, I don't want to play here in Toronto. You know, I, I, I don't. I really don't. And at that point, you're making a huge risk. You expected him to be a one-year rental. You didn't even think you'd win the title. You know, you were hoping you would. Maybe you thought, yeah, 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 but deep down, you're probably like, it's probably going to be the Warriors. So you overachieved expectations, 
and won a title. He won your franchise's first title. So if he leaves, he warned you at the beginning of the year, listen, I don't want to be here. And I think at this point now, he's kind of like reconsidering. It's not that I don't want to be here. I just think I have a better option than the Clippers. And then the Lakers and the Knicks, I think, probably won't get him. I'd be really surprised if they do. But for me, it goes down to the Clippers or the Raptors. So, yeah, that's today's episode. I'm going to get out with my free agency predictions, uh, all of that. Maybe how each team should look at their um, offseason. I heard Thomas was doing that, but I really only listened to his podcast today to see if he got my call. And then I heard he was doing that, but I didn't tune in because I – Thought, oh, good idea, but I think I'm just going to do that on my own. I'll come up with my own ideas. Plus, I had to do this podcast for you guys. So, anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, again, Colin on the Anchor Mobile app. Go follow or Safari. Go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time.